Welcome to the Neck Now podcast, presented by the New England Center for Children. Today's guest is Jared Bozan, the Chief Development Officer here at NECC. We talked to Jared about his experience with the center, uh, as well as events and fundraising during the pandemic. Uh, it's a really interesting conversation, and thanks to Jared for coming on. So I'd like to welcome on our first guest. It is Jared Bozan, the Chief Development Officer at the New England Center for Children. Jared, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. You know, of course, this was your idea as a podcast, so <laughs> it only makes sense that we got you on early, but um, you hey. have an interesting interesting story of how you got to NECC, so I think it fits well. Sure, yeah, I, and I'm excited for this podcast and what we're going to be able to bring a lot about NECC to the masses and our Neck Now uh, video and this now, our Neck Now podcast, will bring a lot of uh, insight on what we do here. And hopefully uh, a lot of people will learn a lot about NECC and our incredible staff and teachers. So I wanted to, to start really simple. Um, I mentioned you are the chief development officer to people outside of the fundraising world and outside of the nonprofit world. What does that mean exactly? Sure. It means a lot of different uh jobs at different institutions, but for here, I oversee the fundraising, the marketing, our social media, and I'm also working with the board of directors. Uh, those are kind of my main positions here, but mostly it is the fundraising and the public relations for the center. Um, you also have an interesting background. You're a parent of a child here. Explain kind of how you first learned about NECC, whether that was professionally or as a parent. Yeah, sure. It's professionally. So uh, I was working, I've worked 21 years in the field. And prior to coming to NECC, I was working at Boston University in a fantastic job there with a development staff of over 200 people. Uh, and uh, it was a fantastic place. A lot of travel. Uh, I used to travel a lot at BU. And uh, at that time, my son was six years old and, and was you know, diagnosed with autism, and it was challenging. It was challenging to be on the road and also commute to Boston every day, an hour and a half there, an hour and a half back. And um, at that time, I knew I had to find something that maybe was a little easier in our family to be local. And it's funny, at that time, uh, the position here came up as chief development officer. Uh, for the New England Center for Children in Southborough, Massachusetts, dealing with autism, and uh, kind of checked off a lot of boxes at that time. I didn't know, you know, it seemed like to be a great fit. Uh, and to be this close to home, be able to, to be near my family, be near my son, and work for something I am completely 100% into because of my son's diagnosis, I was really excited about the opportunity. And five and a half years later, I'm still here. <laughs> so you you know it's an interesting balance. Um, the other most of the other executives here that we'll have on in later episodes um, don't have the same experience where they're both a parent. They don't have that that kind of two pronged um, relationship where you're you know you're both working for the center and you have that really personal experience. Just you know explain what that's like um, because I that does I'd imagine set you apart in some of those conversations. Yeah, it does. I mean, for the so when I started here, my son was not here yet. He. Uh, was enrolled um, through his through the town of Southborough um, after uh, about three years here. It was de it was determined that he needed more services, and uh, so uh, and it was, this was the best fit for him. So it was kind of you know I was living two lives, helping my son, trying to find the right fit for him, and working here. And it turned out this was the right fit for him, and there was an opening, and that all worked out really well. As a parent and as an executive here, I I really tried to 
put myself in, in, in the shoes of an executive where I'm working, but obviously as a parent, I know the needs and the challenges that parents face um, having a child with autism. So I try to remember that and what we do here. And our goal is to really, again, raise funds to help our kids and to help our staff. And um, you know, I, I always joked that I was a very strong supporter of NACC. Now that my son's here, I'm really supportive of him. I'm like drinking the Kool-Aid even more that uh, I'm all in. But I, you know, I, I, I enjoy talking to our parents and I enjoy it to, to hear their stories, but also for me as a father to, to understand what they've gone through and how I'm dealing with the challenges of my son, I think it's important. So uh, I bring that perspective and, and executive means we're talking about different ideas and different ways to help the center. I, I try to also bring some of that parent perspective in there as well, but it's hard to balance both. I mean, I'm an executive first here. Yeah. So kind of backtracking um you've worked here for five and a half years now you worked at bu before that sure um but again i development is not something that i think when most kids go through college or first jobs that's the yeah, i don't think anybody want. it's just something <laughs> they don't think about so sure explain how you got into this field in the first place because it's a, it's a pretty specialized field quite frankly I yeah yeah it is and uh you know my wife found this job one day and she helped me find my career so i, I really give her credit so uh uh 22 years ago i, I was uh, i was finishing my master's up in special in uh, student affairs uh working in uh, universities doing uh, student life residential hall counseling those type of things and uh it was a great job, but again, those are a lot of nights and a lot of weekends, and we were about to start a family, and my wife said, well, you're a good talker, you, 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 but you like working in academia, um, you know, this is a great job, and it's a, there was a director of alumni job at Wilbraham Munson Academy, it's a great little school in Wilbraham, Massachusetts, and a small development office, about five of us, and uh, I, I went in to talk to the headmaster, I'll never forget it, a wonderful man named Richard Malley, and, he, and I asked him, uh, I don't think this is the right job for me. And he said, you know, I think you would like it. I think you're a good fit. I like you. And uh, he saw that in me with no experience in fundraising. And that job um, started my career. And uh, my supervisor there, uh, Susan Dana, w went to another school. And I followed her there. And besides being director of alumni, I learned the annual fund. I learned major gifts. And I met, I, I've met hundreds of people throughout the last 20 years, incredible stories of people who are supporting schools and institutions I've been at. And it's just, um, you know, it's part of the job I love. And I get to meet people throughout this process in 20 years. And I, you're right. I mean, a lot of us, you don't say when well, I'm a freshman in college, I want to be a fundraiser when I grow up. It's, <laughs> it's something you fall into. But it's incredibly rewarding. Um, you are raising money for institutions that are in need of, you know, BU as research and supporting our faculty and staff and building endowment scholarships for kids who couldn't afford to go to BU. For uh, Kingswood Oxford School, Wilbraham Munson, there are small schools that we need better facilities and better ways to help teach the students there. Um, I worked at a wonderful hospital, Cooley Dickinson Hospital, and we were building a whole new wing for. Uh, day surgeries, which was incredibly important for people in Western Mass to have that opportunity to do that out in Springfield area without having to come out closer to Boston. So, and I've met so many wonderful, so many stories of people supporting. It's just amazing. I've been in 30, 40 states and meeting different people and what they do to support um, the institutions I've been at has been really inspiring. And here especially, this has been the most ins inspirational place I've ever been at. 
So you've worked at um, Wilbraham Munson is a is that a that's a boarding school? Yeah, small boarding school. Yeah. yeah. So you've worked there, you've worked at the hospital, you've worked at a major, you know, international university, and now you're at a pretty specialized place like NECC. Um, what what's different about NECC from a fundraising side? Or is it is a it lot? A, yeah, a, a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot. So even before BU, I was at the Mass College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. So that's even a difference than BU. It was a uh, again, a, a different type of university focused on the health sciences. And and BU itself, um, you know, that was donors, alumni who went to the institution, who looked fondly back, who loved to support it. And a lot of that was one-on-one. Here's a list of your potential donors. Go see them, cultivate them, and, and solicit them. Here it's a little different. We don't have a list of alumni. We don't have, we have parents and former parents and but it's a lot of organizations, a lot of community members, and you know, uh, my predecessor who did a fantab- uh, fabulous job here, Roseanne Lovely, built some incredible events that really drive the fundraising. And um, I've been able to help you know, keep that car rolling down the highway and, and grow these events, and that's a little different than the, than the universities. We really raise a lot through our gala, through our golf tournaments, through our 5K, um, those really help drive people to support it. So it's a lot of little people making a lot of little gifts instead of the one big person making the one big gift. We get a lot of gifts that add up, which is really important. In terms of, you know, you mentioned events. Um, this year was, or last year, was very challenging um, in that regard yes, because of the, the pandemic. Um, how How did... NECC adapt to that. Um, you know what what steps were taken. Yeah, we when the pandemic and really the lockdown in March and April hit, we um, we had a 5K coming up and we had a golf tournament coming up, and we really had no idea how to at that time if it was going to happen. I mean, for a lot of us, we thought April, May, oh, we'll be done in June, July, back to normal. And that started to turn out that was not going to happen. So. Like many other institutions, we went virtual, and um, you know our 5K was a virtual event, which actually, in a way, the costs were lower. We didn't have to spend as much to build an event, but we had we did receive donations, so our net profit was good, and we we had to keep on doing that. We had to build a stronger social media campaign. We had to build stronger communications within the school, and we had to just be creative. And I hate to say, we kind of did this on the fly. You know, everything was different. The, the golf term in June, unfortunately, um, the golf courses were closed, so we had to cancel that. And but we had a golf term in November, and we instead of having a shotgun, which is everybody teeing off in one hole, we did tee times and socially distanced food, and you know there was no after and before, and we kind of got people in and got people out, and people had a great time. So and then the gala, we put a, together a 30-minute show online that went live, which was as scary as you know that, that and. Uh, but we had a great response to that. So we're still learning what to do. And, and as the pandemic keeps on going, we have to keep on adjusting to what we're doing. So I'm really looking forward to having a live gala again, having 400 people there. And um, I'm look, really looking forward to having a 5K, which is my favorite event here at NECC. It's, and um, you know, we just have to keep on waiting and, and keep on trying to make changes. And obviously the hardest part is seeing people and thanking people. So we do a lot of Zoom calls and Zoom meetings and. You know, Vinny Strelli is with me on a lot of Zooms, uh, thanking some people for their contributions, and we keep on trying to do things like that, that really keep people connected and involved with NECC. You mentioned that you, know, you can't wait for the in-person events to return, but do you think 
there are things that you have learned from a fundraising perspective over the last year that will continue to be relevant? You know, the, the value of those Zoom calls, those are easier to set up than meeting in person for some people. You know, is there something to learn from all of that? Yeah, I think we're trying to, you know, we've been better with, with looking at our cost. I mean, everybody wants to know how much per dollar you, you, you raise that goes back to the center. And you do see with when you scale down some things that we are raising more than what that, that per cost. But, you know, I, I, I think some of it will be different. I think our social media and our communication style will never change. I think there's more of that now. I think people stress the Facebook, LinkedIn world. I think people stress podcasts. I think podcasts has grown a lot, especially in the past year, because you're home trying to listen and doing things. Um, you know, I think our events will be more streamlined, but be more online registrations, easier to navigate instead of having in-person registrations, things like that. But I do think... I do think the bulk of what we do is that one-on-one -on -one relationships and that still is missing. You know, Zooms are great, but uh, to see someone, to have break bread over lunch or dinner and to see people at a 5K if their son or daughter finishing it, it, that's the special stuff that we do miss right now. And But at the same time, I, I do want to say that what this organization has done, and I have nothing to do with it, these are the teachers and the staff and the clinicians and the emergency management team to keep this school operating as a parent uh, is truly amazing, inspiring. I mean, what they did during the shutdown with the residential students and getting the day school back as soon as we were allowed to do that and keeping this place going. Uh, it's not easy when it's not a pandemic and during the pandemic for them to, and just the little things that a lot of people wouldn't see unless you're here. Just the way they do meals every day, get them to the classrooms because we can't have a dining room anymore, and get them to the residences at night, and the testing and the surveillance, and yeah, we have some cases, and how do we handle it? It's just, you know, you can keep it going on and on, and, and uh, for this school to be this resilient and to do what they're doing um, is truly remarkable inspiring for me yeah so when you come in I'd imagine when you come into work it's you know it, it it's different because of both the dual role and then also just the nature of, of this place you know that it's you could be a you know you could be a parent of a kid at a private school and you might still not have that level of inspiration that you feel coming to work here because of working with you know children with severe autism yeah I, I mean I have you know, as a parent, and you know, my son is in residential program, and um, that lockdown was incredibly hard on those parents. And yeah, I, I come here every day and, and hear stories and and how we, you know, every day there's something that has to be just got to be a answer to. We have to figure it out, and the EMT does all that, and and they have to, and just to see the work that goes into a day to day. Um, day to day throughout this pandemic is incredibly amazing to see and I get to see it firsthand. I try to stay out of it too. I don't <laughs> want to I don't want it to fear because those clinicians, they know they have those staff, those teachers, they know the kids and they know what each kid needs and as as many people know of autism, not each kid's the same. Everybody has a different challenge and different ways to approach a child and um so I, I stay out of that as much as I can, <laughs> but I'm here to support and help. And my, my job throughout the pandemic was raising money and, and also PPE, which we had incredible people at the beginning sewing masks, donating masks, and then 
companies coming in and, and, and donating off other PPE when we need it the most. We had donors who would spend tons of dollars to buy PPE for us and bring it here. And um, I was involved in that part. And that part for me was just amazing that people said, what can I do? What can I bring? And you know, I had someone bring in 10 cloth masks and I had someone who donated 50,000 50, masks and all those helped. All those were a big part of it. And uh, you know, that was my role in this and I'm in a working of nursing and it's just amazing what we've been able to do here. And it was a whole team effort and it was parent effort and it was grandparent effort and it was organizations and companies and everybody pitched in to make sure this place was um, continuing to thrive in a challenging, in probably the most challenging time I've ever been a part of working uh, in 21 years. We've gone through a lot of national tragedies and, and, uh, and while I've been a fundraiser, and those have always been difficult, but there's nothing that's been like this. You mentioned, you know, everyone came together and just asked, what can I do? Um, something that, so in my role here, I, I've really witnessed the strength of the community of NECC, but, but speak to, to what you saw this last year in terms of just how united everyone really is. Because, it, I mean, just the, the different scale of donations and PPE and dollars, but everyone just giving what they could up was really, really incredible for me to witness. Yeah, me too. I mean, the, I first start the teachers and their sacrifices they made. I mean, it's well known that many of our teachers um, stayed in hotel rooms during the shutdown so they wouldn't bring, go home and potentially you know have COVID go to their families. And at the same time, they didn't want to go home because they didn't want to bring COVID to the residences. So they self isolated in hotels and um, you know it, they've made every effort they can to protect our kids and I say our kids because I my son it's our kids and uh, that to me is just incredible work that they had to do and then you know seeing our like myself and other people I had no idea what PPE is I didn't even know <laughs> what it meant and and so having other people learn what they need to do to get this place up and running for an emergency management team to be formed within days of this starting and up and running and and uh, our great leadership from our CEO who is sending out videos and to our community and really being that kind of leader that he's always been for 40 years shows that we were committed to be all here and then just the, the amount of parents I've heard from and the amount of friends I've heard from and the amount of companies who just said what can we do and how can we do it and the unique ways of doing it from a company like Apex donating food to uh, a company like Greenwood Industries saying we have all this PPE we can't use it right now we're shut down we'll, we're here to help you and what, what do you need um, you know there's amazing people who have stepped up to the plate board members who say okay I I know this person who knows this person who has a connection to get you some mass, or I know this person who you can purchase off for a, a, a much lighter rate than what other people are paying for, or, or uh, moms just making masks and dropping them in, and many of them have done that, and I can't remember all of them, because it was such a frenzy in March and April, but everybody played a part, and uh, there's no one you can leave out of this. Everybody who's an affiliate of the NACC did something. And uh, it was incredibly inspiring. It's, it's um, it really gets me emotional when I think about it. You mentioned you know companies like Apex, uh, Greenwood, uh, McHugh was another yes, one. Absolutely. What is so looking beyond the pandemic? 
Um, what does it look like in terms of forming those partnerships with companies and kind of maintaining those? Like, what does that process look? Well, like? it's just building a, a nice partnership with them and, and growing. So, uh, you know, many of these companies could have a lot more to offer for us and, and for us to offer them going forward. And once the pandemic's over, assuming Apex would. Um, you know, there's a great opportunity for our kids to enjoy. They have amazing stuff over there. They have, actually have a great autism uh, set up where they, they do a lot of uh, uh, work with aut children with autism and, and with their bowling and things like that. They really, and they have an incredible setup there. So once it's safer to do so, I think there's opportunities there. And other companies will play roles too. I mean, uh, Dunkin' Donuts was a, has been an incredible supporter of ours and, and will continue to be. And uh, just continue to talk to them, build them, and, and really the challenge I've always had at NECC was, was talking about NECC and getting more companies involved and understanding what happens here and what what a world leader we are and what we do. That's that's, that's probably thing. only been made more challenging during the pandemic because people can't tour it. Yeah, our biggest selling point I always say is people coming and seeing yeah. what happens here. It's I always say when you come for a tour and you don't know anything about NECC, it's like drinking out of a fire hydrant the first time. <laughs> you find out so much that you have no idea from our research to our grad school, to our day school, to our residential, to Abu Dhabi, to our ACE uh, uh, system, all this stuff, and you do this in a 45-minute tour. I've never seen a person say, wow, that, that, that was not really impressive. Everybody <laughs> sees more like... Oh my God! I need like a day to process this. Like it's amazing what you do here. And uh, even friends of mine in Southborough who didn't know much about, you know, they live in town, but you know, it, 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 they didn't know much about NECC when they toured this place. They just like I'm so privileged that we have this in our town and and this world class facility. And I will say that uh, unabashedly, this is a world class facility. I have, this is amazing work that's done here and. Uh, I'm very proud of it, and I think people who walk through this place, so yeah, it's tough, but we're trying our best to show that. We have some great stuff being done on our communication side, and, uh, <laughs> and we try to bring that to people, but I will encourage people who listen to this that once this is over and once we allow tours again and visits, come see what we do. This is, uh, you'll be truly inspired by what we offer here. We're sitting here in mid-February, um, hopefully at the, you know, the NECC direct care staff is getting vaccinated as we speak. Yes. What, uh, you know, looking again, trying to look past the pandemic, what does the next year look like at NECC, specifically with what you're dealing with, with events and the fundraising? Yeah, we'd like to get back to, you know, hopefully um, we'll have a, a gala in November. And, and I, I think, you know, we're, we're, I've enjoyed telling the story of what we've gone through, but I think we also at some point need to reshape and what we're doing, what we're doing here. And it's amazing what we're doing, but what's the next, you know, we just have a new strategic plan now. And I think talking more about that plan and what our goal is for NECC in the next five years, our goals with the ACE, which is incredibly important, our autism curriculum encyclopedia, our goals with trying to encourage more people. The opportunity to work here is amazing. And for uh, younger people interested in special education to be a teacher here and get your master's here and have an interesting and, and fruitful career here and maybe grow and go somewhere else and, and build your own uh, career from your experience here is, is incredible opportunity. And I think we need to talk more about that and really share with people this is an amazing place, not just for kids, but for people that come and work and really uh, thrive as a student, as a grad student, and, and really find a new career, exciting career. So 
I think those are opportunities we really want to talk more about. And, you know, there's always chances for us to look at what else we can do in the community and how we like to get out more involved and service students and also work with police and fire departments on how to work with children of autism in their towns and their cities. And you know, that's a lot of what we've talked about in our DEI trainings, how we can get to more underserved communities, how we can reach out and help them. And that's a lot of things that we need to focus on once we can kind of get out of this little area of the pandemic that we can start getting out and meeting people one-on-one face-to-face and showing them what we can do. That was Jared Bozan, the Chief Development Officer at the New England Center for Children. Jared, thank you for coming on.